Welcome to Foundations of the Restoration podcast class. This is class number six, where we examine the restoration of the church with truth restored and with priesthood keys restored. Joseph was then able to lay the next foundation in our series, the restoration of the church of Christ, the restoration of an ancient church organized by Jesus himself and brought back to earth after an apostasy. In order to fully give you a glimpse and an appreciation for the function of the church in our lives and the role that it plays, I would like to take you on a journey of past, present, and future as we examine the building of the New Jerusalem, the city of Zion. That will help illustrate why we need a church of Jesus Christ on earth with keys, authority, and teachings. Our premise, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, uh, this is Foundations of the Restoration. It's not Doctrine and Covenants. It's not church history. It's Foundations of the Restoration. And so we are building the foundations of the Restoration. Now, our premise is that truth was restored in the order of its importance. And that is foundational. People who are upset over the church's position on a particular issue and they're frustrated about this issue are walking away from all of this that preceded it. And that's what they don't realize is that they, that's such a minor part of the restoration compared to the most important parts. So the very first piece of the puzzle, and the one we keep coming back to over and over and over again, what was restored very first is our relationship to Heavenly Father. That is the foundation of the restoration. Everything else is to connect me to God and create a relationship with Him. The first vision is the hallmark of the restoration. Then came the Book of Mormon. Again, What's the main point of the Book of Mormon? To connect me to God. But the Book of Mormon plays a vital role in the restoration. It legitimizes the restoration. We have something concrete that we can hand out and say, see, there really was an apostasy because here's proof of a restoration. Following, while they were translating the Book of Mormon, they received priesthood keys. So we spoke about priesthood. Now, what's the main purpose of the priesthood? To connect me with Heavenly Father. And that I need to never forget. So we talked about patriarchal priesthood versus uh, hierarchical priesthood. We talked about um, the hierarchy. We spent some time talking about priesthood. Now, that's kind of where we left off because last time we talked about gold and clay principle. And as an example, we used the prophet himself. Is there gold in a prophet, seer, and revelator? Is there clay in a prophet, seer, and revelator? And if you don't understand the mixture of gold and clay, everything in the restoration has gold and clay. Thank you for all your insight. You guys have been sending me all week long. Hey, I found a little clay and I love it. So what comes next? After the, after the priesthood was restored, now that we have the foundation of truth, and the keys of the priesthood, what's the next piece? The church 
Now we have the physical church. Now we organize. April 2nd, 19, or 1830, we organized the church. Now I've taught this lesson many times. How do I teach you the role of the church, the function of the church? Now the main, the main reason, the main reason there's a church really does relate to these two preceding circles. The function of the church is to keep the doctrine pure. The, the, the purpose of the church is to provide the truth that we all need to know. Imagine if we had to receive the plan of salvation individually. Well, someone would say, I think there's four kingdoms of glory. Well, I think there's five. And so, no, there is a set core truth. And the church is responsible to keep the doctrine pure. And the church is how we receive the ordinances. And that's, that's a great way to approach this. And I want you to pretend I've taught that lesson. And we had a great experience. I'm going to do something this time <clears throat> different. I want to show you what the church is going to do in these last days. I want to show you the church in all of its glory well into the future. And I think that's the best way I can help you say, oh, that's why we need a church. Yes, doctrinal purity and ordinances. But I want you to see, I just want to dress this woman up in all her glory and help you see that's what I'm a part of. So you'll tell me at the end of the lesson if this was a good way to go or a not so good way to go. But this is a heavy conversation, so bear with me. What is, you notice that the name of the church is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter. Latter, that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Not last. Latter. When the Lord uses the word latter, what's, this, what's the suggestion here? Why are we the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints? Well, I was going to say it, but last. It's not last, it's specifically not end. What is the latter part? What's the latter part of a movie? It's not the end end. It's the getting to the, it's kind of the climax. It's the, the build up. We are the church of Jesus Christ of latter day saints, which would suggest we come before something. We are the builders of something. The church in our day is building something. So allow me to just kind of show you again a pattern. Tell me what kind of earth we started with. What was the earth in the Garden of Eden? It was a terrestrial earth. Then it fell and became a telestial earth, right? And during the millennium, it will again be a terrestrial. We believe the earth will be renewed and receive its paradisical. A synonym for paradisical is terrestrial. This earth will be renewed. Now, why is there destruction relative to the second coming? Who can dwell on a terrestrial? Who can dwell on a telestial planet? Celestial, terrestrial, and telestial. Who can dwell on a terrestrial planet? Okay, so that means between today 
and the millennium, what has to happen? Everything that's telestial has to either change or leave. That's why there's death and destruction associated with the second coming. The earth is changing. And you cannot dwell on a terrestrial planet and be telestial. You either change or you have to leave. And by leave, you all know what we mean, right? Now, which of those two would Heavenly Father prefer? Change. So he's going to pull out his biggest arsenal right before that change, right before the earth changes. And so many people have to go away because they're not changing with it. Hence, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, God is a God of patterns. And I want you to see the pattern of what we're going to do in our day. There was another massive earth-changing event many years ago, the flood. Now, how many people were spared from the flood? Don't say eight. If you think the answer is eight, you've missed the whole point. How many people were spared from the flood? The whole city of Enoch. So when the earth was destroyed, the Lord gathered the righteous into a city, held them apart while he cleansed the earth. So what's the pattern of our day? The Lord is going to gather the righteous into a city while... The earth is cleansed. It's the same pattern. In fact, he imitated that pattern in the early days of the church. Let me show you a couple fascinating scriptures. Go to section 42 of the Doctrine and Covenants. Let me pull these out so we can read them together. What was going to happen where the church was restored about 30 years later? war. The United States was going to turn on itself. And so tell me what the Lord did. He moved them out west. He moved them out west as north and south did what? Destroyed each other. Do you see the pattern? He always takes the righteous and he pulls them into a safe place while everyone else turns on themselves. So there's some fascinating prophecies about the Civil War. Turn to Doctrine and Covenants 42. Doctrine and Covenants 42, let's start there. Sixty-four. Anyone want to read it? Notice, it's a pattern. This is a pattern of what's going to happen in the latter days. So, go ahead, Abby. Okay. And even now, let him that goeth to the east teach them that shall be converted to flee to the west. And this in consequence of that which is coming on the earth and of secret combinations. So, what was the Lord saying? Anyone who goes east and preaches, send them out west because of what's coming. Do you see the pattern? I'm going to spare you from what's coming. One more, turn to section uh, 45. Doctrine and Covenant section 45 is a similar pattern. 
where he just basically says, the destruction's coming and I'm going to spare you. Look at 63 and 64. Section 45, 63 and 64. Ye hear of wars in foreign lands, but behold, I say unto you, they are nigh, even at your doors, and not many years hence shall ye hear of wars in your own lands. Now, in the 1830s, what were they saying? Wherefore I, the Lord, have said, Gather ye out from the eastern lands. Assemble ye yourselves together, ye elders of my church. Go ye forth into the western countries. Why? What did the Lord know? Civil war is coming, and I don't want my church destroyed in it. So do you see the pattern? So Enoch, civil war. Now do you understand the role of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Now turn with me to the Joseph Smith change for Genesis 9. It's in your appendix. So those of you who are electronic may want to go to Genesis 9 and then tap on the footnotes and then go to the JST in the appendix. I want to show you something that is going to blow your mind. I know you're all familiar with the symbol of the rainbow. But I don't, but you're wrong. Tell me what you've all been taught is the symbol of the rainbow. And yet he will, right? <laughs> the rainbow we've been taught is a promise that the Lord will never destroy the earth again by flood. That's not exactly accurate. The symbol of the rainbow was different. So you need to find this verse right here. Joseph Smith, Genesis 9, 21 through 25. Brilliant contribution from the prophet Joseph Smith. Now tell me what the symbol of the rainbow is. Starting in verse 21. And the bow shall, anyone there, anyone lost? You good? Everyone there? Okay, the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant which I may unto thy father Enoch, that when men should keep all my commandments, Zion should again come on the earth. The city of Enoch, which I have caught up unto myself, and this is mine everlasting covenant, that when thy posterity shall embrace the truth and look upward, then shall, the Zion look, then shall Zion look downward, and all the heavens shall shake with gladness, and the earth shall tremble with joy. And the general assembly of the church of the firstborn shall come down out of heaven and possess the earth and shall have place until the earth end. And this is mine everlasting covenant, which I have made unto thy father Enoch. So what's the symbol of the rainbow? Enoch of old will return and join Enoch of today. Now, look at the red. Do you see the rainbow? So right after the earth became telestial, there was a city of Enoch. And right before the earth becomes millennial, what's there going to be? A city of Enoch. And are those two connected? Yes. 
Are those two cities connected? By a rainbow. See? Told you, blew your mind, right? Every time you look at a rainbow in the sky, what's Heavenly Father saying? It's coming, guys. It's coming. Get ready. Do your part. It's coming. The city of old is waiting for the city of the new. There needs to be a city that all the righteous will go to when everyone else is being destroyed. So if I can help you understand what this church is going to do, I want to show you, I want to talk about the future of building that city. And in order to understand the future, we have to look a little bit to the past. Because did we try to build that city? We did, and we failed. And I wonder if you learned the lesson of the failure. I worry that today's generation has forgotten the lessons of the failure and therefore are, gonna, are making the same mistakes. And we're not in the process of building the city that is our destiny to, to build. We are waiting for the city of our day to join the city of Enoch's day. So let's do a little history. Let's do a little past. And then we'll talk a little bit about the future. James? Okay. All right. Stay with me. We're going to do this quickly, but I want you to point out. Now, let's start with the Book of Mormon translation and what ideas started to be pressed upon the heads of the Latter-day Saints. Turn with me to first, or second, or third Nephi chapter 16. Third Nephi chapter 16. And we begin to see, boy, what was the Lord doing? What ideas was he allowing into the heads of the Latter-day Saints as they began to read this book that was just translated? Go to 16. Now, Jesus has a favorite story. And he loves to tell that story. And the story includes a lot of words. Um, let me do this one. I can't zoom in, but let me show you the colors here. All right, 3 Nephi 16. Jesus has a favorite story, and the favorite story includes words like, what's this one? That's a magic word. Because we can't bring the city until we have gathered. We've got a timing here. When's it going to become? When's it going to come? Not the last days. You can't build the city in the last days, right? When do you build the city? Before. In the latter days shall the truth come to the Gentiles. So the Lord starts telling this story. Now he gets interrupted. He continues in 20. Third Nephi 20, after instituting the sacrament, we pick it up in verse 13. Then shall the remnants which shall be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth be gathered. Where did Israel go? Everywhere. Where does Israel need to come back from? Everywhere. And they were scattered. And now we're going to gather them into a land. And then Jesus said something that must have just piqued their curiosity. Jesus told the Nephites that this people will establish in this land until the fulfilling of the covenant which I made to your father Jacob. And it shall be, uh, Jesus starts talking about the city, the new Jerusalem, the other half of the rainbow. And we're going to build it. 
Now go to chapter 21. Watch him build this up. Watch him state, watch him lay the foundation. Verse four. Tell me if you can see what he's talking about. It is wisdom in the Father that they should be established in this land and set up as a free people by the power of the Father that these things might come forth from them unto a remnant of your seed. No way this church gets established except the Constitution of the United States. So he lays that foundation. Now, he begins to talk about, look at verse 9. In that day, for my sake, shall the Father work a work which shall be great and marvelous. You, that, you, that's a magical phrase, right? Great and marvelous work. Now tell me, who is verse 10? It's all of us, but it is an individual. The life of my servant shall be in my hand. Therefore, they shall not hurt him, although he shall be marred because of them. Yet I will heal him, for I will show unto him that my wisdom is greater than the cunning of the devil. Who's the servant? That's Joseph. In fact, at the loss of the 116 pages, he uses that exact phrase. I will show you that my wisdom is greater than the cunning of the devil. Then he describes all of us. Whosoever will not believe in my words, who am Jesus Christ, the Father shall cause shall cause him to bring forth unto the Gentiles. He talks about the restoration of the Book of Mormon cut off. My people who are a remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles in the midst of them as a lion. The Micah 5 prophecy, which we'll do another day. And then he says in verse 22, we will establish his church. We will establish his church in this land and it will become a new Jerusalem. It will become a new Jerusalem. Now, if you... Just if you're in Joseph Smith's day and you're reading the Book of Mormon for the first time, what are you beginning to say to yourself? Don't, it, it, wouldn't there be a natural expectation that this is something you're going to be part of? That we're going to build a new Jerusalem. Now, turn with me to Ether chapter 13. Of all places to find a prophecy, Ether chapter 13 is a bizarre one. As the Jaredites start to crumble and fall apart, what does... What does Ether's Syriac eyes want to see? What would you want to see if your people were all falling into apostasy? Show me the city. So all, what's Ether chapter 13 about? It's so weird. In the middle of this, in the middle of the story of the Jaredites, Ether throws in a chapter about the New Jerusalem. So you be a Latter-day Saint and you read the Book of Mormon and tell me what you would start to think. Well, where is it? Where is it? Where's it going to be? Okay, turn to section 30 or 29. Now let's go through the Doctrine and Covenants. And now you can understand, if you've, if you've wondered, why do I have rainbows in my Doctrine and Covenants? Now you know why I have rainbows in my Doctrine and Covenants. Because everywhere there's a rainbow, it's a reference to the city that's coming. Whoops, I don't want, I want 28, not 29. 28 is what? Tell me what 28 is. Other than Hiram Page and the Seer Stone, this is where Oliver Cowdery gets called as a missionary to the Lamanites. Now, where's he going to go? 
He's going to go west. You can't go west from New York. You hit the Great Lakes. So if you go west, you've got to go Ohio out to Missouri. So Oliver Cowdery is going to go out west. And the Lord says, now he starts giving hints. Look at verse 9. The first hint he gives is, No man knoweth where the city of Zion shall be built, but it shall be given. Oh, he's starting to say, it's coming, guys, it's coming. It shall be on the borders by the Lamanites. So it's not here in New York. It's out west. But it's coming. It'll be given hereafter. Now watch all the times the Lord just kind of starts to put these little hints. If you put rainbows in your scriptures, then you can just turn really quickly. You don't have to see the verses. You just look for the rainbows. Section 42. Now, section 42 is the gathering at Ohio. The law of the church is being revealed. And the Lord says in verse 8 that from this place, this is Kirtland, from this place shall ye go forth unto the regions westward, insomuch as ye shall find them that will receive you, ye shall build up my church in every region. Until the time come, until the time shall come, when it shall be revealed unto you from on high, when the city of the new Jerusalem shall be prepared, that ye may be gathered in one, that ye may be my people, and I will be your God. Now, that's a major, looking back, that's a major waving of the arms. You will never build the city until one. You will never build the city until you are his people. Gathered into one. Emphasis on which word? One. Gathered into one. One and become his. You see how he's starting to lay down the hints? You see what they're going to do wrong? And do you see the chalice that's being thrown out to those of us who will do it? All right, so you got to be my people, and we're going to talk about it. Go to the end of 42, verse 35. For the purpose of purchasing lands for the public benefit of the church and building houses of worship and building up the new Jerusalem, which is hereafter to be revealed that my covenant people may be gathered in one in that day when I shall come to my temple. So when Jesus comes, where's he coming? In New Jerusalem. Jesus is coming to the temple in the New Jerusalem. So we've got to build that city. All right, go to the very end, verse 62. Thou shalt ask, and it shall be revealed unto you in mine own due time where the new Jerusalem shall be built. Now go to 45. He begins to describe this place. And again, if I could just help you catch a vision. So this whole section, 45, takes us back to the other half of the rainbow. Where do we, where do we start in verse 11? Hearken unto the God of Enoch, 
And the brethren of Enoch, who were separated from the earth and were reserved unto myself, a city reserved until a day of righteousness shall come, a day which was sought for by all holy men, and they found it not because of wickedness and abominations, and confessed they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Every righteous person has been waiting for this city, and none of them have found it. We have total control, and you're about, that's my point, my point today. Now listen to this absolute beautiful description of the city we're going to build. It shall be called the New Jerusalem, a land of, and what, what's ahead? This earth is going to tear itself apart, right? And we're going to build a city of refuge, a city of peace. A place of, oh, if I could just emphasize that strong enough. This is going to be the safest city on planet Earth. The most technologically advanced, safest city. A place of safety for the saints of the Most High. And the glory of the Lord shall be there. And the terror of the Lord shall be there. Insomuch that the wicked will not dare come to it. And it shall be called Zion. Where are we going to be when all the earth is destroying itself? In a safe place. Like Enoch was during the flood. Like the Latter-day Saints were during the Civil War. You don't need to be afraid. Let it come. We will be in a place of safety. Verse 68, it shall come to pass that the, among the wicked that every man that will not raise up his store, sword to take against his neighbor will flee to Zion. So what's happening in all the rest of the world? They are destroying each other. There shall be gathered into it out of every nation under heaven, and it shall be the only people that shall not be at war one with another. The only place on earth that's safe. The righteous shall be gathered out from among all nations and shall come to Zion singing with songs of everlasting joy. Do you see what your future is going to bring? Okay, so now we get close. Now the Lord begins to actually tell them where. Oh, sorry. This is uh, 48. 48, verse 2. Let me read the end of verse 2. Inasmuch as you have lands, you shall impart to the eastern brethren. And inasmuch as ye have not lands, let them, the eastern brethren, buy for the present time in those regions round about, as seemeth them good. For it must needs be necessary that they have places to live for the present time. It must needs be necessary that ye save all the money that you can, that ye obtain all that ye can in righteousness, that in time ye may be, be enabled to purchase land for an inheritance, even the city. Not a city, it's the city. The place is not yet to be revealed, but after your brethren come from the east, there are to be certain men appointed, and to them it shall be given to know the place or to them it shall be revealed. In other words, I'm going to tell you soon. 
I'm going to tell you soon, and they shall be appointed to purchase the lands and to make commencement to lay the foundation of the city, and then shall ye begin to gather your families. It's getting close, right? It's getting exciting. All right, now jump to 56. No, 52, this is important. Where does the Lord command them to go in 52? Verse 42. You shall assemble yourselves together to rejoice upon the land of Missouri, which is the land of your inheritance, which is now in the hands of your enemy. But behold, I, the Lord, will hasten the city. I hate these next three words. In its time. So he just named the place, right? At least generally. Where is it? Missouri. So now he says, get out to Missouri. Let's go to 57. Here it is. 57 should be multicolored in your scriptures. 57 should have big lights around it. And when you open up to section 57, your scripture should say, ah, and then close it, and then they don't. <laughs> section 57, where are they? Jackson County, Independence, Jackson County, Missouri. And the Lord says, Hearken, O ye elders of my church, saith the Lord, who have assembled yourselves together according to my commandments to this land, which is the land of Missouri, which is the land which I have appointed and consecrated for the gathering of the saints. Wherefore, here it is after all these years, this is the land of promise and the place for the city of Zion. So do what? Purchase. Buy it up as much as you can. And start building. I love he starts to use. What word does he start to use? This is going to be significant in just a minute. But what word does he start to use? Plant. Plant. Now, ready? The very next section. Allow me to be a little animated. I know that's not my character, but I'll try. <laughs> The very next section is not for them. It is for you and I. It is for your children. It is for those who will build the city. I don't think I will build the city. So you have to promise me that you'll pass this on. This is not for them. But listen to what he said to them. As soon as he told them where Zion would be built, what does he say? It's going to be hard. There's going to be tribulation. Notice he says in verse 5, Remember this which I tell you before, that you may lay it to heart and receive that which is to come. Now, allow me to suggest their pain is a lesson for you. You need to receive what came next. 
and not duplicate it. Because the key here, verse 6, Verily I say unto you, for this cause I have sent you, that you might be obedient, and that your hearts might be prepared to bear testimony of the things which are come, and also that you might be honored in laying the foundation, in bearing record of the land upon which the Zion of God shall stand. Now, he says probably the most profound thing in verse 19. If we're going to be a celestial people, sorry, said that wrong. If we're going to build a celestial city, what must we be? Do you see where we're going? You cannot build a celestial city if you're not a celestial people. If you don't learn that, their pain, their loss, and their lives were wasted. The one thing they taught us is you cannot build a celestial city until you are a celestial Now, what's the date of 57? July of 33, 1833 is where he announces Zion. Now, look at verse, same section, section 58. Let's look at verse 44. I think looking back, I see the meaning here. I don't think they did at the time. Can you hear what the Lord is saying? The time has not yet come for many years for them to receive their inheritance in this land, except they desire it through the prayer of faith, only as it shall be appointed unto them of the Lord. For behold, they shall push the people together from the ends of the earth. What does that suggest he's saying? I'm doing all of this so that those who actually build the city learn how to do it. Now, notice what begins to happen. Let's jump to 64. No, let's start in 63. We don't have to go very far before already. Start in verse 24. And what words does he start to use? This is the will of the Lord your God concerning his saints. Assemble together unto the land of Zion, not in haste, lest there should be confusion. The land of Zion, I the Lord, hold it in mine own hands. Nevertheless, I the Lord, render unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's. That's a loaded statement, isn't it? When my people are ready, I'll give it to them. But not until then. The land of Zion shall not be obtained by purchase, but by purchase or blood. And since you can't shed blood, if, the, if Zion is obtained by blood, whose blood is being shed? Yours. So learn the lesson. Now go to 64. What word is he already using associated with Zion? Verse 30. He hath set you to provide for his saints in these last days that they may obtain an inheritance in the land of Zion. I, the Lord, declare unto you that my words are sure and shall not fail, and they shall obtain it. But all things must come to pass in their time. 
And then look at verse 50 or 35. What word is, is associated with the people in Zion? Rebellious. The people that went out there were rebellious. 39? Liars. Hypocrites. Now, they're not telestial people. They're not telestial. They're not murderers. But if you're going to build a celestial city, you have to be a celestial people. James? I think it's interesting how he talks about by blood or by, by money. Purchase. And because not, we're not entitled to it. Yeah. And that the sins that were committed were based in entitlement. Yeah. They're like, no, I deserve to go first. Yep. Or this is my life. It should be... Well, not only that, go to 83. We'll do, let's do one more on the way. Let's go to 70, no, 68 verse 31. Other words. Tell me what other words he's using to describe the people in Zion. Idlers. Wicked. Seek not earnest, or seek not earnestly the riches of eternity, and they're greedy. These things ought not to be done and must be done away. Now, again, I don't mean to be judgmental. But what words might describe the church today? Are we ready to build this city? Are we the kind of people? Now, do you see the lesson? Go to... Huh? 68 was given in November of 31. So we're July of 31. We're going to be kicked out in July of 33. So we're not even just a few months later. Now go to, seven, go to 83. Let me show you 83. And I think this is descriptive of what, James, you were just talking about. They wanted to get into Zion, but they wanted to come in the back door. Um, let's go to 83. Uh, no, let's go to 82. It's 82. Uh, where is that? It's 85. 85. That's it. It's 85. 85 verse 3. I know it's 85. Tell me it's 85. There it is. There it is. 85 verse 3. James, you read this and you tell me what he's saying. This is reverse psychology, but tell me what he's saying. consecration agreeable to his law which he has given that he may tithe his people to prepare them against the day of vengeance and burning should have their names enrolled with the people of God now the negatives kind of throw you away but what he's saying is if you want to if you want a part of Zion you come in the front door which is what and what does this suggest they wanted I want to live in Zion. I just don't want to pay the price. I want to live in Zion. I want to go to the temple. I want to be a good Latter-day Saint. I just don't want to live fully the law. And what's the Lord saying? If you want a place in Zion, you go through the front door, which is all of the celestial laws. And what's the, what's the culminating celestial law? You cannot get in any other way. Okay, long story short, you get the idea. Let's go to July of 33. 
um, they get kicked out of the lands. They sign the agreement to leave. The leaders are tarred and feathered. The mob thrusts them out. And the Lord gives them an out. Go to section 97. Doctrine and Covenant section 97 is the out. Even at that point, even after they sign the agreement to leave, after, even after the tarring and the feathering, the Lord says there's still a chance here. I'll give you an out. Verse 10 and 11, tell me what the out was. Build a house. Where? Jackson County, Missouri. None of you have ever been to the Jackson County Temple because they didn't build it. What was the out? Build the temple. In fact, build it speedily. Now, they were rebuked in Kirtland. I wonder if things would have been different if Joseph's in Jackson County, because Joseph's in Kirtland, right? Joseph's in Kirtland. The Lord rebukes them in 95 for not building the temple. And four days later, Hiram goes out and with his bare hands starts digging the foundation. And which temple got built? Which temple did not get built? But the Lord gave them an out. Look at verse 25, where he says, Zion shall escape if she observed to do all things whatsoever I command her. Did they build the temple? They did not. Now, they get kicked out and the answers come. Section 101, Doctrine and Covenants 101. Now the answers come. Verse 2, I, the Lord, have suffered the affliction to come upon them wherewith they have been afflicted in consequences of their transgressions. Yet I will own them, and they shall be mine in that day when I shall come and make up my jewels. Now, who's he speaking to in section 101? He's not speaking to them, is he? He's speaking to those who will build the city. Therefore, they must needs be chastened and tried, even as Abraham, who was commanded to offer up his only son. For all those who will not endure chastening but deny me cannot be sanctified. There were jarrings and contentions and envyings and strifes and lustful and covetous desires among them. Now, luckily, none of those words describe the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints today, right? There's no jarrings or contentions or envyings or strives or lustful or covetous desires among us. (laughs) Therefore, by these things, they polluted their inheritance. They were slow to hearken to the Lord their God. So the Lord says, look, we're going to do this. Let your hearts be comforted concerning Zion. All flesh is in my hand and be still and know that I am God. But he says, let me give you a little parable. Starting in verse 43, I will show unto you a parable that you may know my will concerning the redemption of Zion. Notice what word he used. That's a significant word in verse 44. See it? Do you see the connection? I sent you out there to plant 12 olive trees and to set watchmen round about and to build a tower. What was the tower they were supposed to build? 
and that one may overlook the land whereon and be a watchman upon the tower. What were the two key pieces that would make Zion work? A temple and a prophet. Now the servants of the Lord went and did as their Lord commanded them and planted the olive trees and built a hedge round about and set watch men round about and began to build the temple. And while they were yet laying the foundation thereof, they began to say among themselves, what need hath my Lord of the tower? Now, do you remember what we talked about last week? His eyes see afar off. And consulted for a long time, saying among themselves, what need hath the Lord of this tower, seeing this is a time of peace? When do prophets speak? Day of peace. Might not this money be given to the exchangers and there be no need of these things? And while they were at variance one with another, they became very slothful and they hearkened not unto the commandments of the Lord. And the enemy came and broke down the hedge and they were affrighted and fled. And the Lord destroyed Jackson County and broke down the olive tree. And then he said, why? What is the cause of this great evil? Ought you not to have done it even as I commanded? And you should have built the tower and put a watchman on it and not have fallen asleep. Because what would the watchman have done? This is last week. The watchman would have seen the enemy while he was yet afar off. So what is one key piece of the puzzle? In order to build Zion, we must be a prophet following people. Now, let's go to section 103. There's another chance. The Lord says, I'll give you another chance. 103, he says, let's gather up a camp. Let's gather up an army to go march. And we're going to go save them. Now, how many did he want? Uh, let's go to 30. No, let's go to 30. <clears throat> gather up an army and go up to the land of Zion by 10s or 20s or 50s and hundreds, even until you obtain the number of 500. How much did he want? He wanted 500. He says, if you can't get 500, then, verse 32, at least get 300. If you can't get 300, verse 33, 100. And if you can't get 100, don't go because you're not my people. They got a little over 200. And they marched. Now, one of the most significant pieces of church history is this march from Kirtland, Ohio to Jackson County. It's called Zion's Camp. Joseph Smith led them. Most of the, the, the Quorum of the Twelve and the Seventy will come from Zion's Camp. Brigham Young is in Zion's Camp. Many of them are in Zion's Camp. I would encourage you to study Zion's Camp. It was a great little journey. So they're on their way. Now, section 105, and this is where the music crescendos. Ready? Are you hearing the music? Section, yeah, it's out there. <laughs> section 105, they are a stone's throw away from Jackson County, and they think they're going to come and save the land by force. Behold, I say unto you, were it not for transgressions of my people speaking concerning the church and not individuals, they might have been redeemed even now. Where could we be living? In the safest city on earth. But behold, they have not learned to be obedient to the things which I required at their hands, but are full of all manner of evil and do not impart of their substance as become a saints to the poor and the afflicted. They are not united according to the union required by the laws of the celestial kingdom. 
Now listen, would you just listen? Zion cannot be built up unless it is by the principles of the law of the celestial kingdom. Otherwise, I cannot receive her unto myself. You cannot build a celestial city if you are not a celestial people. And so he said, my people must needs be chastened until they learn obedience, even if it must needs be by the things which they suffer. Are you learning? Are you going to be smarter? You cannot build a celestial city until you are a celestial people. So now the Lord says, therefore, now notice the date, 1834, June of 1834. Therefore, in consequence of the transgressions of my people, it is expedient in me that mine elders should, don't say it, Lord, don't say it. What did he say in 1834? Wait. It is expedient that this church wait for a little season for the redemption of Zion. How long is that little season? We are approaching 200 years. 200 years. And no one has been ready to build the city. So what do we need? Let's be clear. What do we need? He pushed pause on building the city in 1834 and said, you're now going to focus the next 200 years on what? That they themselves may be prepared, that, they, that my people may be taught more perfectly and have experience and know more perfectly concerning their duty and the things which I require at their hands. And this cannot be brought to pass until mine elders are... So what have we been doing for 200 years? We have been preparing to build Zion by building temples. And where do you make the covenants that will make you the people that will build the city? Do you see what we've been doing? We haven't been wasting 200 years. We have been building temples. So what do we need? Let's be clear. I'm going to write these in big, bold letters. This church needs to be... We've got to be better. <laughs> we will never build Zion until we are better. We'll never do it until we're better. Now, there's one other thing we need. Not only do we need to be better. Let's read 34, 30, 31 and 32. We need to be bigger. We've got to get a lot bigger. Better and bigger. So what do we need? 
Temples and missionaries. Temples and missionaries. Now, next week, we'll do the first temple and the three very specific keys that came to us in that temple that have everything to do with building Zion. Better, bigger. Now, allow me to be personal for a moment. I have prayed all my life that I could live to see the city. I have taught about the city. I have spent my life preparing generations to build the city. I am now convinced I will not see this city. I had hoped my generation would be the one. I am pleading with you to be the generation. And if you're not, then at least be the generation that prepares the generation. If my life means anything to you, build that city. Let me at least come as a resurrected being and see what you built. But I bear you my testimony. We will never build this city until we are a celestial people. Do you remember why they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness? It wasn't 40 years. The Lord didn't say 40 years, and then as soon as time was up, they got out. When, why, why did they wander for 40 years? They were waiting for all the bad guys to die. I wonder if the Lord's waiting for all the ones that aren't ready to just die. I think the Lord is waiting for a generation that will rise up and say, we're going to do this. We're going to be the people that can build this city. And I pray with every ounce of my soul that you get to see it. I will weep in the spirit world when I hear the news that you have built the city. And as soon as I'm resurrected, you can give me a tour of it. Do you see what this church is going to do? Do you see where we're going to go? Do you see why there is a church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? People get so caught up in the silly little things. This church will prepare a city that will be the only safe place to live in the days ahead. And there's no way we build that city unless we become a celestial people. And the no, there's no way we become a celestial people without temples. So, do you see where the next ring is going to take us? Now we need temples. We need keys and temples. And that's where we'll go in the next couple of weeks. I leave you my testimony that this is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And every time you see a rainbow, I need you to remember, we're trying to connect that city with our city. And there's hope. It's going to come. I see it. It's going to come. And I want to be part of it. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Thank you for joining us for Foundations of the Restoration podcast class. This has been class number six. I hope you have enjoyed this journey through time as we've examined the current and future state of building that glorious city of Zion. We stand in the waiting period as the church is growing, getting bigger, getting better. This week, would you ponder where we are and where we're going and what your contribution in that getting bigger and getting better might be? How is it that each of us today can contribute to the building of Zion so that someday we might be able to build that glorious city where all saints will be safe from harm, where we can live in peace as we prepare a city to receive her King. Thank you.